Yeah. No. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. What do yeah. We, I, I don't, I've never, I, you, no. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah, that really oh, hey. kind of grosses me out. That was so organic. Thank you. Okay, well, Katie and I have to start over because I effed up and didn't hit record. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Molly, and I'm going out not with a bang, but a whimper. I'm Katie, and when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. And when we first did this, we had a fun little exchange where I said, you know, that Mark Twain quote, uh, I prefer uh, heaven for uh, climate, but hell for company. And then Katie said, no, but I was referring to the B.I.G. quote. Which is when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to fucking tell. I don't want to go to heaven where the goody goodies are. And then we decided that. Biggie was the Mark Twain of Brooklyn. <laughs> and that's all you missed, kids. That's all you missed. That's, that, we caught you up. That would be such poetic justice if we thought we were recording our first episode <laughs> oh, and we didn't no. record anything. Ugh, that would be just like us. But yeah, here we are, arriving at our final episode of Yano Yeah. We're ending on kind of a sad note. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's how life is, and that's how this podcast is. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think we could go out any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to talk about death because obviously it's the end of the whole womb-to-tomb cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because in this era of COVID-19, which has driven Katie and I to have to uh, record separately, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it, you know, it hasn't just affected this podcast. It's also <laughs> affected other things in the world. I can't name any off the top of my head. But, um, but, uh, death is, I think, top of mind for a lot of us. Oh yeah. It seems to be all around us. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I was in Brooklyn right when it was getting really bad and yeah, I remember the sirens filling, filling the streets and, uh, just hearing about all the refrigeration trucks. And uh, as time's gone on, it's been revealed that this virus actually doesn't have a very high mortality rate compared to other viruses. Um, but uh, but it, it felt like, it, you know, it was oh, yeah. so overwhelming at the time that you just can't help but feel like death is all around. And then also you and I in this pandemic time of quarantine have had to deal with the uh, passing of loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. We had to, we both had someone close to us pass, um, and not really be able to be with family. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that it's not just that we're all sort of surrounded by the specter of death more and more. It's also that a lot of us have had to deal with grieving in a way that no one has ever had to deal with grieving before. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. At least not in so, I mean, I'm sure a billion years ago when if your aunt in Italy died, you couldn't get a boat there. That's oh, when sure, it sure, was. Sure, 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 but if sure. not in recent memory, not yeah. in my 200 years on earth. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's been, you would, my, um, so yeah, I had a, a great uncle pass away and um, yeah, it's really 
it's like you want to be around your family, but they're all very old people. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to not. Um, But yeah, you actually attended a Zoom memorial service. We had, it was, yeah, it was unofficial. It was just like cousin um, Zoom chatting. Luckily, since we're Jewish, there will be like my, the grandmother, my grandmother Zelda who passed, she's Jewish. So she was buried quickly as they tend to do. Um, no, but normally you would have gone to some sort of service with your family and you would have sat Shiva for seven days and had all that, you know, really nice time to be together. Um, so we didn't get that. We did like a little Zoom Shiva and then my cousin, who lives in town where I used to live in Jersey City, we exchanged through <laughs> the roof of my car um, some soup and bread. And Aww. we just kind of had like a really cute moment. And then, um, so her unveiling of her grave will be in a year, which is of tradition. And you'll see her tombstone. And we've all uh, discussed wearing our favorite replicas of Zelda outfits that yeah. day. <laughs> She was, known, um, she was known as a fashionista. Yeah, she was a woman on the scene. She dated famed singer Eddie Fisher at one point. Who is that? Um, he, he's like, I mean, he's like your mom would know or your grandmother would know. He's old, old school, uh, old school New York. And he, yeah, she has pictures her of her coming out of limos and furs. And she's just sort of a known gal about town. It was, it was sad. It, it, it was weird because I was thinking about what I thought about it for this episode and I don't, maybe I cried for a minute, but I wasn't heartbroken. Um, she was sick for a long time and we haven't been extremely close for maybe a few years because she had dementia. It was just hard for her obviously to feel close to people. Um, but what I was thinking was the hardest part was that you didn't get to sit and look at pictures with your cousins who I am really close to. And I'm sure you probably feel similar. It's like, yes, it's so sad about like your great uncle and my grandmother, but you don't even get to give that hug to your great aunt, for example, who really could use it. I'm sure. Yeah. That's what sucks. Ah, yeah. It's, it's not good, but it's not cool. It does make you think about like when, you know, like, do you have, do you know when you die? Do you have a vision for like Mm. what, like we've talked, you've talked a lot about the songs you want played at your, yeah, (laughs) I have like a funeral playlist. I have a wedding aisle playlist. (laughs) That's about all I care about is the mute, the vibe of the ceremony classically. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I'm thinking more realistically, I'd like to be, um, I'd like to be turned into ash. I don't want to be buried anywhere. And, you know, just let my kids or Andrew figure out what to do with me. They can spread me if they want. They can turn me into a necklace or I don't really care. Um, Donate all my organs and my eyes if they're useful (laughs) to anyone and just, you know, throw me in the woods. Yeah. Strip me for parts. That's an important part of my death plan as well. I would actually have my, I want to donate my entire body to science. Like really get in there, root around, find 100%. out, um, do whatever you need to do. And then, and then pass out. I don't really care. My mom, as you know, uh, is, uh, someone who's received a kidney donation mm-hmm. from a cadaver. So of course that's important for me. I have it on my driver's license. Everyone should have it on their Yeah, I do license. too. Um, death is so much more, uh, it's so 
wonderful. It's so, I hate the word wonderful. It's so exciting to think about your death allowing someone else to live. Yeah. And it's, that's the only sense of, as someone who's not religious, that's the only sort of, um, that's the only kind of spiritual thing I'm willing to get into with death mm-hmm. where it's like that sort of drives home that we're all connected in some way kind of thing. 100%. Oh, donate yeah. all your organs and then let your family do what's cheapest because who where fucking would, cares? Where would they sprinkle your ashes? Like when I imagine people sprinkling ashes. Like my mom was like, oh, I really love Acadia National Park in Maine. Sprinkle <laughs> me there. And like, I could imagine like I could take my dad to our favorite park that we used to always go to. But with you, it's like everywhere you like is indoors. I know. I was like, you know what? You know what they should do for me? Well, who knows? Maybe when I have kids, I'll take them outside. Maybe. But I think what they should do for me is have a bar stool with my name at my favorite bar. Oh, there we go. Instead of a park bench, forget that. A bar. Yeah, that I like. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. We'll do that. Um, so, okay. I wanted to, I, I know we're kind of getting down in the dumps a little bit, but I wanted to start off on a bit of a brighter, not brighter. Um, it's okay if it's brighter. You know, it's okay. Death is a part of life. It's okay. It's okay to laugh at it. Arguably the most rock and roll part of life. (laughs) Arguably. Um, (laughs) I would not enter into that argument, but, um, so (laughs) Wikipedia I've discovered has a handy list of the strangest deaths. <laughs> so ridiculous. There, okay, so there's this, the first one that caught my eye was uh, Caradonis was a Greek lawgiver from Sicily. Uh, and according to Diodorus Siculus, he issued okay. a law that anyone who brought weapons into the assembly must be put to death. And then one day, oops, he shows up at the assembly, uh, forgot to um, take off the knife that was still attached to his belt. And in order to uphold his own law, he committed suicide. And Oof. I go on the record saying that I don't believe a word of that. Yeah, <laughs> I um, yeah I'm with you. Tripped and fell on his knife. And then his friend, Diodorus Siculus, was like, okay, I'm going to make this sound cool. And it, it's so funny how it just doesn't sound that cool. Right. But well, you know, it was back then. Okay. Diodorus did their best. His part of his name is Odorous, Katie. He's yeah. Not, <laughs> he doesn't have great ideas. Um, my I've also heard another sort of what is what is the word? Kind of not iconic. There's this story that I believe is probably made up. Mm. Um, you know, uh, relate, you know, people who are famous get mythologized and Pythagoras of the Pythagorean theorem, mm-hmm. one of your favorite theorems, if I'm not. It is. Um, so hypotenuses. Hypotenuses, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. A squared plus B squared gets you the hypotenuse every time. Every that's, time. I do it every goddamn day. That's if there was an ad for the Pythagoras theorem pythagorean <laughs> theorem back in the day um but so the so pythagoras actually had this whole bizarre math cult it's very interesting read about it i recommend it but they had part of their belief system was that if anything looks like another thing it must be related to that thing mm. and so they had a rule where they <laughs> would not eat beans 
because, and I've heard it, I've seen both that they thought that beans looked like testicles and also that <laughs> beans look like embryos of babies. And so they just said, no, nope, you're not fooling us. That's disgusting. We're not eating it. So the legend goes that Pythagoras was being chased by Roman soldiers and he came to a bean field and, uh, he was like, well, I'm not crossing this disgusting bean field. And so oh, that is so stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, but it's also, if it's true, it's like he really stuck to his <laughs> bizarre guns. You, on the other hand, would eat your way through the bean field. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, <laughs> they would find me eventually because they would hear me munching loudly <laughs> on all the beans. <laughs> Um, another one that I frankly laughed at was, uh, in 1881, Sir William Payne Galloway, a former British MP, died after sustaining several internal injuries when he fell on a turnip while hunting. <laughs> okay. Turnips are pretty big. <laughs> I actually can't. I, you know what, Sir William, I can't even help you here. Okay, here's what I don't understand. The turnip, when it's sprouting out of the ground, mm. the leaves, I was thinking like, oh, it must have been like a really pointy turnip. You know, at the root, they have that point. Sure. And I was like, there's not any such sharp, there's no <laughs> sharp enough turnip. But maybe if it was a huge turnip. But then I was like, no, that's not how they no. grow. So did he have the turnip with him as like a tasty turnip snack? And he fell off his horse and fell onto the turnip? That I can see. All right. You know what, what I'm sort of imagining is it grew the normal way, but it was just really big and he just fell and it was bluntly hard and fucked up his insides. Yeah, maybe he wasn't of a hearty constitution to... For all, yeah, he could have been a, a little but he's, feather. But he's like a hunter. He's going <laughs> after animals. He's killing animals with... Hunters back then were the twinks of today. <laughs> and then a vegetable gets his ass. <laughs> Imagine. I didn't I write the history books. <laughs> Wikipedia did. Yeah. Um, there's one. Okay, this is on Wikipedia list. It's also on every list of weird deaths. You can't talk about weird deaths without talking about Grigory Rasputin, hmm. who was the creepy uh, kind of consigliere character uh, in the uh, last Romanov family, the last of the Roman ruling mm -hmm. family. Who he were, just didn't die as you know, massacred um, in the, I believe it was called the Peasant Uprising. Ooh. Sorry if that's rude to call you peasants, but I think that's what it was called. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they, they had a lot of enemies and they filled tea cakes, wine, you name it, uh, with cyanide. And he uh, didn't appear to be affected by it. And then he was shot in the chest and then he ran away after being shot. And uh, then he was, I thought that he drowned. Okay, no. Oh. Okay, yeah, no. And then he was shot again. And that's when he actually, um, that's when he collapsed. Oh, the word I was trying to think of is apocryphal. The apocryphal version is that he was poisoned, stabbed, shot, and drowned. But I guess, according to Wikipedia, that's not accurate. But still, wow. pretty, pretty impressive. That's really pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Boston molasses flood in 1919. Oh, no. What a slow flood. 
uh, yeah, a tanker full of molasses burst in the harbor and unleashed a 30-foot high wave of 2.3 million gallons of molasses. No. That flowed down this, you know, busy commercial street. And the neighborhood was destroyed. 12 people were died and 150 people uh, were injured. That's actually, like, the thought of being, like, so sticky, can't breathe because of how sticky your mouth and nose ways are is pretty bad. That, of all the things that we've named so far, this is the one where I'm, like... Mm. That's cruel. We have this, um, there's this, probably listeners will know that there was this viral video at one point. I was nannying, so this is a long time ago. It was maybe one of the first viral videos called Dumb Ways to Die. Uh, yeah. And I had, and it just lists, you know, putting something into a toaster. But I can hear the five-year-old I used to watch, like her, like I hear it in her voice because she really loved that song. She I was also, disturbed. I also babysat an eight-year-old who loved that. It was great. And I think it did teach them, like, don't die. Don't put your fork in the toaster. It sort of, like, skirted that. I was rewatching the one that you sent me, and it kind of skirts that edge of, like, not really being for kids. Because one of them is, like, <laughs> use your private parts as bait when you fish for a Yes. And then it shows a little cartoon character coming out of the water, and the, his bottom half is entirely skeletonized. Yes. It kind of tricked people because it looks, the little round characters look like they're for kids. And the voice is happy, but the yeah. content is uh, illegal. Quite disturbing. She had a family where they would all curse. And I just always felt that, like, I guess that's a, like the mom would be like, fuck you to the daughter in like a fun way. And I was like, oh, she's five. Anyway, just saying, I feel like that kind of kid yeah. uh, so, is so susceptible to this <laughs> bad yeah. message. Well, maybe that was her approach to parenting. She's a doctor now. I mean, there you go. You can't <laughs> argue with results. A 15-year-old um, doctor. So, so those are all the, uh, some ways that you don't have to worry about, okay? That's not going to happen to you. Don't worry about it. Um, but here's what probably will happen to you. Um, from the World Health Organization, according to them, the most uh, common uh, ma- or cause of death uh, in the world is mm. ischemic heart disease, which is basically like what gives you a heart attack <sighs> you have a reduced blood flow to your heart caused by a buildup of plaque in your arteries. Um, so it's, yeah. And that's, that's damn the boring reality of death. That is so boring and sad. Yeah. Make sure you go to the doctor, everyone get your blood checked out. In the past two decades, death from AIDS is on the decline. Mm. Uh, while death from kidney disease and diabetes is on the rise mm. diabetes is coming on up i it had is. one of my stupid gigs like during the time when i didn't really have a steady gig because of all the hullabaloo um was uh <laughs> this content writing job where i was just writing about diabetes and diabetic foot ulcers and diabetes is no joke. Like, oh, it's people, no joke. A lot of people think of it as like, or at least I thought of it as, oh, your blood sugar's out of whack and you have to take some insulin. Uh, but it, as you get older, it can get so bad that they have to amputate you, that your blood circulation stops, mm-hmm. you stop being able, or not stops, but gets a lot worse. 
and you stop uh, wounds stop being able to heal and a lot of times you end up having to have limbs amputated yeah i know a woman who had her leg amputated from diabetes and she was young it just was really out of control yeah yeah uh, as of 2018, the average age of death, and I believe this is just in the U.S., uh, was 78 years. Um, oh, but, that seems young to me. Okay, he- here's why, Katie. Okay, uh, tell for me. For men, the average is 76. For women, it's 81. Wow. So this is something that is across the, uh, from our world and data is where I got this next bit of information. Uh, women, so this is a recent thing, obviously, uh, there have been huge improvements in, um, childbirth, um, mother, uh, mortality rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, it's only because of those improvements that we've been able to see the, um, the life expectancy for women go up so much. Um, but it's true in every country across the world that women live longer than men. Wow. Uh, and it's true in every, uh, so yeah, it's true in every country, but sometimes there was like, they showed in like a country like Bhutan, women only live a tiny bit longer, like one year longer. Whereas in Russia, women live 10 years no. longer than men on average. Yeah. That's awesome. So but why? Um, okay. I'm going to get into that. So, uh, childhood mortality is a lot higher in boys. Uh, anyone oh. who's been around a small boy. Well, understand why this is. They are, every time I've babysat a little boy, I've thought to myself, you're looking for weird ways to kill yourself. Yes, like they are. Second of every day. Um, uh, also, but, and then, but it's obviously more than that. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's one factor that uh, researchers have found is that women tend to store fat subcutaneously. So like basically, you know, making us thick with two C's, that's subcutaneous mm. fat. Um, whereas men have visceral fat, which is the boring fat that clings oh. your organs. So you we have the good fat. They have the killer fat. Yeah. Yeah. We're avocados. They're cheeseburgers. <laughs> that's so, awesome. So, and also women tend to just not die as quickly from disease. So I've, uh, so when, uh, my, uh, my fiance and I both had COVID, um, earlier, uh, in the year and he got it so much worse than I did. Oh yeah. And there's like, there are a lot of diseases like that where, uh, the disease progression is just so much worse and so much faster in men. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article for the BBC about why it is that, um, that kidneys, uh, that women donate kidneys so much more than men do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, the, a lot of it is, you know, socially, like we just sort of expect that women will donate their organs more and women are less, are, uh, less likely to be the breadwinner in their family. So they're just considered to be more available for the time it takes to donate an organ. But I would talk to the guy who is actually in charge of my mom's transplant surgery. And he said, that kidney disease progression is a lot faster in men. So it's also that men just need transplants a lot more quickly than women do. He said that it's something with testosterone, and this is an area where they're still doing a lot of research, but testosterone makes diseases in a lot of cases just happen a lot worse. Yeah. 
Testosterone seems to be a disease of its own, am I right? My God. Testosterone, it's the death hormone. It's, it does seem that way, though. My doctor, when I was really sick last summer, when you came to visit me in the hospital, I had double pneumonia. I was in, obviously, a lot of pain. I was very ill, just to catch the listeners up. And my doctor, who was a woman and a man duo, um, wife-husband duo, they were like, it's better you than him about Andrew, jokingly. And I was like, no, what do you mean? They're like, oh, like I, we think someone like a man would be dead. And I was like, why? And they're like, one, the pain tolerance is really different. Like I didn't even know how much pain I was in until they were like, you, like I knew, but they were like, you can't breathe. How are you living? Like you have nothing, you have fluid all the way to the top of your lung. And apparently lung disease also in men is a real killer. Yeah. Whereas like women maybe can uh, rehabilitate themselves. Yeah. I also remember reading when I was looking into the whole like COVID thing about like why it was so much worse for Andrew than it was for me. Uh, I read that they were looking into, I don't know if this went anywhere, but they were looking into using estrogen as a possible treatment for COVID patients because uh, because of the apparently protective effects that estrogen has. Damn. Yeah. It's so interesting because like across, it's just a scientific reality that women are frankly hardier. I guess we fucking are. It's like we've been saying all along. Finally. I've said it every day. I love being a girl. Um, I also wanted to talk about our favorite, or maybe <laughs> I think it's both of ours, favorite delusion. It's Cotard. a good one. Cotard's delusion. Cotard, Cotard's delusion. I don't know a lot about it. I reread some stuff today. I remember seeing it on a show and then being really obsessed for a short time. It's fucking weird. So, uh, Cotard, but sorry if you're listening and you have it. So, Cotard's delusion is this delusion where you believe your physical body has died. Like you yeah. fully believe, believe I'm dead, my organs are rotting, and I don't need to eat. And my limbs maybe don't exist. Uh, it was named after 19th century neurologist Jules Cotard, who I believe, I mean, he must have been the first one who identified mm -hmm. this delusion. And he wrote about a 43-year-old woman named Mademoiselle X, who believed she had ceased to exist. Uh, she was like, I don't have organs. I don't have bones. So why would I need to eat? And she mm. died from starvation. Jesus Christ. Uh, and then there was also an earlier example of an 18th century woman who believed she had died and demanded to be put in a coffin by her family. And then uh, at one point she like sat up and was like, these linens in my coffin aren't white enough. And then she laid back down. And then finally she got out of the coffin and was like, okay, maybe I'm still around. Um, but it was a thing that like came, that like kept coming back where she kept illusion in cycles. Yeah. So then this is exciting. Then there was a, uh, a more modern example of a fella named Graham Harrison. He's pretty recent. Uh, a, neuro a neuroscientist or a neurologist, I'm not sure, looked at his brain scan which revealed that his brain activity did look like someone who is in a vegetative state. And the researchers who looked at his brain said, we've never seen anyone with this level of brain activity walking around and talking to people. So there is something going wrong. Like they're not totally wrong. No, it's just like, what wrong. brings this on? I mean, I don't, I don't think that they know yet. 
but they know what's happening. It's one of those kind of unsatisfying avenues of research where yeah. they're like, something's up. You think like it's a thing, but we don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or why? Um, but okay, so that's fake death. Let's talk about <laughs> death delusion. Hey, Molly, don't discredit their feelings. I'm so sorry. Um, I didn't mean <laughs> to uh, question your journey of maybe being dead if you think you're dead. Thank you. Um, so, uh, but let's talk about the reality of death. Mm. This is actually weirdly comforting to me. Oh no, I don't think it's gonna be that for me. <laughs> I just really. Because it's just, okay. Walk so, me through. I'll let you know how I'm feeling. <laughs> this is mostly from WebMD. Uh, did I get anything? I read things a couple other places, but it's mostly from WebMD. Um, so then the months leading up to death, you tend to sleep or doze more. You eat and drink less. And you withdraw from people and stop doing things that you typically mm. enjoy. Uh, older people talk less. This is very sad. WebMD said uh, children who are dying talk more. Okay, that makes me want to die right now. Yeah, that's going to be the only thing that I mentioned. Okay. Um, so uh, something that I read in multiple places, hallucinations and visions, especially of people who, like relatives who have died, are very common among the dying. Wow. Um, and then this WebMD article said, uh, don't argue with people. Actually, mm. places also. You shouldn't argue with people who are saying that they, you know, are seeing their passed on loved ones. I have a crazy story about this. So what? Zelda, so Zelda, who had just passed, she ha had dementia. So really towards the end, she, nothing was really connecting. And um, I don't know if she had any of this, but she, so she died. And then a week later, her best friend, Dina, who I've known my whole life, she said to her husband before she went to bed, I, I, I really want to go see Zelda again. I owe her a phone call. She died the next day. Wow. So Dina and Zelda, and she had been like, she was convinced she had like already seen her and they haven't seen each other in like over a year and like had called her and like was really set on talking to her. And then she died. And now they're together. Wow. Best bud. Wow. But yeah, I mean. But com kind of comforting, like kind of sweet. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean about like, I think that that is. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I like that. I get a, what you mean. A comforting thought. And it's just, you're basically just falling asleep. Ugh. But over, you know, months. <laughs> so a short, a so like within, <laughs> within 24 hours before you die, the skin on your knees, feet, and hands turns a mottled bluish-purple color. Mm. Um, your breathing is interrupted by gasping. There's also something called the death rattle, which happens oh. because you're no longer able to cough or swallow, so your breathing starts to sound strange. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, hallucinations are super common at this point. A recent, a really interesting study from the New England Journal of Medicine found uh, that hearts can stop and start again near death. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense because, you know, there's a lot of electricity in your organs. Yeah. So it sort of makes sense. You can also do, you can be pronounced dead and like your body jerks because of all the neurons passing through right so that's that's different because at that point you are fully dead oh this is like your heart stops and then it comes back right yeah 
and you're still alive. Got it. But it's important to know that that happens because what they were talking about in this article is doctors have to be able to accurately pronounce your time of death because organ donation, if they're going to harvest you for organs, Mm. they have to do that as close to when you die as possible. Like they want to get those organs out in a cold thing. Yeah. Helicopter. So they have to really get that right. Into my hot little hands. Um, you like this. Uh, hmm. I was um, w- I was watching a nurse on TikTok, and she said, and she's someone who does um, palliative or maybe hospice care. And she said that she had a patient once who um, she died. The nurse called her time of death, and I think the doctor confirmed it as well. And uh, then right after the patient or the deceased, the decedent sat up, screamed, and then <laughs> fell back over. No. Yeah. I hope that's how I die. And so this nurse mentioned, <laughs> me too. Uh, and so this nurse mentioned that some people had asked her like, oh, do you think that she died and had like a, you know, like when you die and you see heaven and you know, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. like, maybe she died and saw hell. Ah! <laughs> And the nurse said, you know, I don't know, obviously, but, um, but I will say that she did do something in her life that some people might think that that was waiting for her. Wow. Bone chilling stuff. Bone chilling stuff. And my, I would just like to say here that, <laughs> that I think hell would be as fun for sinners as heaven is for those that are good. So I don't think if you see hell, you're going to scream. I think you'll be like, yeah, this looks good to me. You know, I don't think that hell exists. I only think hell exists. (laughs) I think hell is real and we're in it. Oh, amen. So now I want to talk about what happens after you die. This is where it really gets fun. Uh, So embalming was more or less invented, uh, or at least, you know, in our Western, so who knows what they were doing in Atlantis, you know what I mean? But in modern history, we think of the Civil War as being the turning point for uh, embalming and preserving bodies. Obviously, the ancient Egyptians were uh, doing it long before. But um, for Americans, let's just say. Just say America. what you mean, Americans. <laughs> and American history is the only history Molly cares about. I know. I was trying to tiptoe around that, but I'm glad you called me out. So in my American-centric view, the Civil War is when history started. And <laughs> that's when, uh, that's when uh, there was like, a huge number of bodies. Like the Civil War has some of the single bloodiest combat days in American history. Uh, of, you know, until uh, uh, now. Um, uh, and there were so many bodies that families wanted sent home. So they started using arsenic to preserve bodies. And that was eventually replaced with formaldehyde, mm. which prevents decomposition. Um, so that's all it, it, it does, really. Um, I'm going to get in more into Ask a Mortician, but I've learned a lot about death and embalming from a YouTuber called Ask a Mortician. You love her. I love her. And yeah. I've mentioned her on the podcast before, um, but she, but for this, for this episode, obviously I went and rewatched some faves and she has a lot of videos about embalming, but a lot of her central message, she also runs something called the Order of the Good Death. 
and her uh, she tries to combat the idea that a lot of us have, which is that embalming somehow makes bodies cleaner or more presentable, and that embalming is something that you have to do with a dead body, and you don't. And we'll get okay. into why that is. So, um, so uh, when you're embalmed, um, they after uh, there's arterial embalming, which is when they drain your blood out through a, a vein or your heart. And then they replace your blood with formaldehyde and other chemicals and- All of your blood. And maybe water, yeah. Uh, then there's- <laughs> I, I think, you know, real ones will know our vampire episode. I nearly fainted because the talk of blood makes me faint. I, I'm also not a fan. We're both, we're both pale as the day is long right now. <laughs> Oh, it's about to get a little bit worse. Um, Then there's something called cavity embalming, where they use a pointed stick called a trocar, and they insert it like a little bit below your navel, um, and they use that stick to puncture all your organs. Oh, no. And then they (laughs) suck your organs and gas and the fluid out through a tube. Ew. Katie, it's nothing but mush in there. Yeah, that's true. It is nothing but mush. It's only going to get mushier. I've squished. I've seen the insides of a chicken. (laughs) Okay. So I feel like I could handle it. (laughs) Okay. I don't see you signing up for mortuary science classes, but. uh, I see you maybe. You know, I. You're fascinated. I'm fascinated, but (laughs) you, I am very limited in how much blood I can look at. Yes. Uh, so, and then I got this from the Funeral Consumers Alliance. Um, uh, after the bodies cleaned, prepped, all that embalming I just mentioned happened, um, then they do, then it's, now's the fun part. Um, oh, wait, oh, <laughs> nope, sorry, I skipped some stuff. Um, they put spiky concave discs under your eyelids to keep, oh, no. to keep your eyes from opening. Um, what is that? Keep your eyes from opening? Do you hear a weird sound like the beating of a hundred butterfly wings? Okay, it just stopped. Um, it's probably just the angel of death coming for me. Oh my Nothing. god, or is it my heart all a flutter? <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> um, so yeah, so lips sealed with glue, and then your jaws wired shut, and uh, your orifices, orifices, Katie, yes, are <laughs> packed with gauze. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, obviously. You don't want leak, leakage. Goo. Goo. Uh, so, uh, so, now, so now you're all stuffed and juiced up and ready to go. Um, then they give you a manicure. Um, their Ask a Mortician's channel has some really interesting video about how they put makeup on you if you're severely decomposed. Um, you might, depending on how you died, you might have a missing facial features that they mm. mold out of wax. So they do wow. all that. And then there's, uh, then they put on makeup, um, on your face and your hands, because uh, like we mentioned yeah. in the dying process, you're, um, you're it, like, if you've ever seen a dead person, they yes. don't look how they looked in life at all. No, far from it. Right, because there's just so much slackening that happens as soon after you die. So they really have to do a lot to like plump you up and get you looking as close as possible to how you looked in life. I remember when my great grandfather died, my grand Nancy's dad, and we went to his 
viewing and I was pretty young, but Nancy was very like encouraging, like go see the body if you want. You can touch his hands if you want. Like you don't have to be afraid. Like it's not scary. And she's like, she's good at that kind of stuff. And I remember picking up his hand. I was like, then I looked at her. I was like, it feels like sand. And she was like, go sit down. (laughs) No, it doesn't. She was like, I don't think so. And I still remember tactily what it felt like. And to me, it felt like a bag of sand. Okay. Not not to be crude or cruel, but yeah, just saying. No, I mean you're allowed to think <laughs> what you want. A three year old has her opinions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd probably only touch so many things. <laughs> I was like, this is all I know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, that brings me to funerals and uh, ask a mortician. The woman who hosts it, her name is Caitlin Doherty. Um, in addition to the channel Ask Mortician, she's written a book called Smoke, it in, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, uh, and then another book, I don't remember the title, um, but I believe they've gotten uh, pretty good reviews if you're interested. Um, but she really promotes the idea that um, you don't have to pay. It's a great for- song, just a side note, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Yes, yes. Um, you don't have to pay for a cremation or embalming. Mm. The average American funeral costs between $7,000 and $12,000. Expensive. So uh, I found on the, um, I found on a, uh, on a website, uh, I believe it's called, let me pull it up here, uh, Funeral Consumers Alliance. Uh, They pointed out um, that director immediate burial must be offered by a funeral home. Um, so you can, if you want to, you can just say, I just want to bury them right away. I don't want to have a viewing. Or mm-hmm. I don't want to have, have a viewing at the funeral home. You can handle everything yourself. There's nothing that says you can't. Oh. You can lay out your loved one. You can have the viewing at your home. And then you can go to the funeral home and say, I just want a simple immediate burial. And they'll, they can just wrap your loved one in the shroud and that can be it. And I don't just say that, be- I don't just bring this up because I'm cheap and I don't have the <laughs> idea of spending money on something that I wouldn't use. It's also like, it's obviously like for a lot of families, $7,000, $12,000, that could be totally devastating. 100%. Or and I, there's something nice and intimate about having it maybe in your house or like, I could see that yes. being appealing. Yes. And also, I think I already said this, but I think a lot of people have this idea that you can't, that corpses are, um, are d- dirty or uh, full of disease. But I was just reading on the CDC website, even if someone died of COVID-19, um, you, you can still uh, handle the body, body yourself. There aren't special rules. It doesn't have to be whisked away immediately. I'm sure there are special, I'm sure there are exceptions to this rule. Yeah, don't go grabbing every body you see. <laughs> Yeah, do it be chill about it don't just jump into an open the next open coffin you <laughs> but in general there's we just in a, in the u.s we just have this culture of fear around dead bodies and funeral homes uh make a pretty penny off of that um fear and i guess also disgust that we have yeah yeah so um yeah caitlin doherty her whole thing is like the simpler way of doing it is also greener Mm. um more old-fashioned um and she also has videos that bring up uh like have you ever heard do you know the difference between a coffin and a casket i don't think so 
So a casket is more popular in North America and it, that's the rectangular one that's like, yeah. looks really nice on the outside and is all fluffy on the inside. Whereas a coffin is the more like Dracula type Ooh. coffin you think of where it's tapered. I like that. So in North America, that's part of the distancing that they talk about a lot on Ask a Martitian, where a coffin is uh, sort of resembles the shape of a human body more. Like it suggests like there's a human inside of this, whereas a casket is just a very nice, expensive looking box. Oh, interesting. I didn't think about that the coffin does look like a human body, but doesn't, when you really do look at it, that looks more, much more attractive to me, just saying. The witch, the... The coffin. Right. The well, human you body. Like, you like the gothic look. Yeah. I think, yeah, I like the... I like a black coffin would be great for me. You're, so you, you want to be... No, I'm getting cremated. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Everyone in my family gets cremated. I hate the idea of taking up space in death. Oh, God. We don't deserve it. I recently was in Sleepy Hollow and I went to the Sleepy mm. Hollow Cemetery and uh, Rockefeller is buried there. And his tomb is so annoying. It's bigger than my apartment. It's bigger than probably both of our apartments combined. If I believe it. Okay. Uh, and it's just like, we get it. You know? It's not cool. I think it used to be. I re I mean, I love a stroll around a cemetery. So do I, yeah. I love the aesthetics of a cemetery, but I also think... That we've moved on. Yeah, I think we have to stop taking up weird space and just get cremated. Donate your organs. Do one good thing in your stupid little life. <laughs> you can be turned into a tree. Yeah. Fun options. But then, you know, if you want. Get baked into a cake. Get baked into a cake. That's a good I'm one. sure people do that. I'm, yeah, I, I think I've seen that somewhere. But yeah, yeah, the options are frankly endless. Yes. Um, so she also, I had to, when she was talking about the coffin, in the coffin versus caskets, the differences video, she mentions that in Ghana, they have these really uh, outrageous, fun looking uh, caskets, I guess they would be, hmm. where they're off, they'll be shaped like a race car or a camera. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then there was one, it's like a uterus. Complete, okay. Complete with fallopian tubes. That's too much. I don't, I'm sure there's like a very interesting reason behind why that person would want that. But then when she saw the, when she's talking about the uterus shaped casket, she said, womb to tomb. Yep. Yes. And it was Get buried as you came into this world in the uterus. It's just a stupid little coincidence, but it's a stupid little coincidence that felt very special to me. It's like when someone says the title of the movie in the movie. Ugh, yeah, very good. What's more erotic than that? <laughs> I was scrolling through Instagram store through my Instagram stories. Do you follow uh, Perv on the Go? No, Shelby? but I will. Okay, she's friends with uh, and like the science wists. Mm -hmm. So she's part of that whole little crowd. And she put up a story where she was reading Turn of the Screw, a book that I'm currently reading, which did a book feel a that you're reading. Which did feel a little bit spooky. Turn of the Screw, it's the one that yeah. uh, that Bly Manor uh, is based on. Yes. Haunting at Bly Manor. Anyway, this has been coincidence moment with Molly. Um, <laughs> so, okay, this is the last thing I wanted to talk about. Grieving. Mm. Uh, we're grieving this podcast. 
Yeah. But we're also celebrating it. I feel like we have a very good attitude. I think we're celebrating it more than we're grieving. Yes, that's we're true. Celebrating its life. She was a good girl. <laughs> yeah. She, you know, you didn't always know what to do with her, but there she was. <laughs> uh, so I don't want to criticize how people grieve. That being, but said, we will. I have some things to say. Um, there was, and then, okay, so one thing, my gut instinct is I really don't like it when people describe someone's death, especially someone younger, and they say something like, I guess heaven needed another angel. Oh, no. If you're saying that about your own relative and that's something you find comforting because it's sure. your beliefs, of course. But if you say it to someone else about their loved one. No. Not good. Yeah, don't presume what heaven needs. It's not cool for the grieving family. Uh, and then I found an article in the New York Times called What to Say and What Not to Say to Someone Who's Grieving. Which mm. is interviews from uh, a bunch of people who had, who, um, who had lost people. And they mentioned some of the things that people had said to them that they <laughs> just didn't help them. <laughs> Um, and one of them was, um, uh, w- uh, one of the ones that, uh, stuck with me was, um, people saying, uh, God doesn't give you more than you can. Uh, no. In general, anything with God, I think you should just leave. Leave that out of it. Because you just don't know what someone else believes, unless you do, but you usually. And even then, I think it's fair to say, like, I, you know, what if, I mean, Oh God, I, I can't even reason with that because I hate it so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one thing that they said in this article uh, is that I'm so sorry. It's like you feel like maybe that's not enough, but it is. I think that's really a classic. And I, what I, unfortunately, I've had to say something to a few people I've known who lost people during COVID, whether it was COVID related or not, that I find very genuine and easy. And it's wishing you peace in this painful time. Yeah. Just yeah. something really like, you know, you're obviously sorry, right? But it's what more can you offer? And I think that wishing someone well, and if you can offer more than that, great. Um, during a time that's obviously hard. Yeah. Another theme that came up in this article was how much people who are grieving don't want to have their grief compared to yours. Oh, of course. <laughs> don't make it about you so like one woman said like she had lost uh a child and someone said i know you feel my dog died never this is this is a good psa when someone is coming to you for something and they're grieving or even if they're just complaining don't say i know how you feel it's actually never helpful and i think it's crude and it shows you don't actually listen yeah, and it's also impossible to know if you know how someone else is. You just literally, frankly, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Simply don't say that anymore. Yeah. Folks. Um, do you have any other thoughts on grieving? No, I think, well, like you said, I don't, I don't know. Not, no one knows. There's no easy way for these things. And I think also just acknowledging that you don't know what to say sometimes, like maybe not saying I don't to the person I don't know what to say, but I think just when I had a friend whose father died, 
and it was very dramatic and like it was a long saga and really painful. And another friend whose mother went through a similar awful ordeal. I was happy to not know exactly what to say. I wrote letters, I sent food. And sometimes it's like, just keep it simple. Check in with people if you feel the vibe is right. I don't know. It's, it's just know that you'll never say the most perfect thing, but avoid uh, anything that would add pain or annoyance to their life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, but also don't just avoid it. Like that's another thing. No, don't, don't, don't not say anything for the love. Don't not visit. Don't not send cards. Don't not call because the person may not want to deal with you. They may not want to interact at all, Mm -hmm. but, um, you should still, you know, lightly say I'm here. Yes. I'm sorry. A card I think is really nice because they can open it when they're ready. It doesn't like a a text can be a little jarring, but Mm -hmm. a nice handwritten card. I think I've always appreciated that. I would prefer that to most things in life. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people find texts annoying anyway. (laughs) Especially when they're planning funeral. Oh God. It's, it's such a to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. Well, that's, you know, that's grief and that's life. That is grief. And before we wrap up for the last time, um, do you have any thoughts on the demise or shall we say the, I don't know, the step towards the light that Yano Yeah is taking? Um, I do. I need to grab my computer charger. Stay with me, folks, so my computer doesn't die. Yeah, I'll, I'll pause. And she's back. And I'm back. What? You know, I was thinking about this a lot, obviously, because this has been coming up, but one of the reasons we're ending it is because I think, I'll speak for myself, life is so busy, there's weddings being planned, work is picked up, so it's something that wasn't like healthy, healthily in my mind as much as it used to be, especially when we started five years ago. So when I was reflecting on everything and like, especially what it, the show meant to me in the beginning, you know, it's one of my only real creative outlets. I don't, I, you know, I don't get to be super creative a lot because I work in God bless finance and I don't have a lot of extra time. Um, so for me, it introduced me into different side of my soul a way to connect to people <laughs> you know a lot of y'all that listen we don't know you which is crazy yeah. um I didn't actually ever think anyone would listen but Molly's mom and maybe Andrew my Andrew if he was forced to so the fact that we have connected with so many of you a lot of our patrons are people we don't actually know like that and all that because you just like to hear us talk, which is the one thing I might actually be good at in this world is really sweet and it's uh, bittersweet to come to an end. But I think like most things after season five, it's normally downhill. It's not so good anymore. You know, we've all seen TV shows. It's like that should have ended. We want to do, we want to let, I want to let Yenoya yeah, go on a really high, healthy note. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've thought about this with, in respect to my own death, where I would never want it to be a dragged out thing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go pull the plug. Like, I don't want to hang around and suffer and wait for things to get worse. 
I just want to go. And I feel the same way. Like, I'm glad that we purposefully made a plan to end. Yes. Instead of just letting it die a strange, slow death where we just sort of gave up on it. Yeah, she would not. She's a girl. Yeah, no, yeah, the show. She (laughs) would not deserve that. I think, you know, Molly's like my sister. Uh, I never would have really but we I don't know it's just who would have thought two gals like us would find each other in this god bless <laughs> weird little world yeah. um and we got to do something like make this little baby together for five years which is a, I mean have you ever worked with a friend for this long absolutely not who could who would I can't think of a, a single other friend duo <laughs> I I can't and I I frankly won't yeah. Um, no, I remember saying to you way back when that even if nothing happened with the podcast, that I was so glad that we'd have this little time capsule to look back on. I know. Me. Yeah, I was just thinking when we were, I mean, unfortunately, this comes to my mind during this episode, but, you know, we have like my video, like voice recordings of my grandma on some episodes and like we have uh you know random cab drivers you've talked to and some of our best closest friends voices are here my andrew came on the show like this is stuff i mean my kids will hate it but i'm gonna make them listen <laughs> yeah. i don't keep a diary but this is kind of our diary yeah yeah i am so uh, you know i whenever you show me something nostalgic i'm always like stop i hate nostalgia <laughs> Um, But I know that one day, many years from now, I'm going to be ready to go back and listen. And it is made hugely meaningful just by the fact that we do have people who listen to us who don't actually know us. And to you guys, I want to say thanks a million. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, we are very lucky to have connected with you all. Hope we've made you laugh. Um, I don't want to cry. <laughs> so don't. <laughs> I won't. Um, yeah. So our email inbox is going to be open. Like we're not shutting down everything. We have one more Patreon episode and then I'm going to leave the Patreon up for a little while. Um, our Teespring shop will be up for, I don't know, not, not indefinitely. I don't know. Well, to, to be determined. To be determined. Um, and yeah, our our email, yanopodcast at gmail.com, I'll leave open forever. Yeah. Oh, God. If you need anything, email Molly, who will then forward <laughs> it to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you need money, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What at, at this point, we're millionaires because yeah. of this show. <laughs> yeah. Laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, you know, this isn't good time, but hopefully... See you later. We'll see you then. Okay. Oh, fuck. Ooh. Oh, fuck. I dance myself out of the tomb. But then again, once more, I dance myself out of the tomb.